0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: The madness that is South American qualifiers is over as Brazil and Argentina remain dominant. Ecuador already through and Uruguay ending on a high. But it's the end of the road for Chile, Colombia as Peru once again. Earn a playoff spot. Kego Lasso with Jaime Macias. South America begins right now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. YouTube.com forward slash Keigo Lasso, Kego Lasso pod on Twitter, and of course, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Jaime Macias is back. How are you, Jaime?
2: How are you doing, Luis? Uh kind of sad, man, because the the best tournament in the history of soccer, at least in the way we have enjoyed for the last 20 years, is coming to an end, so uh, a little bit nostalgic.
1: Yeah, no, that's a very good point. As everybody knows, by the time 2026 comes around, it's a whole different format. Uh, more teams in there, of course. So obviously, the end of CONMEBOL qualifiers, as it was. And I agree. Jaime. I, I wasn't thinking about that that much because of the euphoria of last night. But yes, it's the end of it. So it's you, very, very you, sad.
2: You had a lot of a lot to think about <laughs> last night. <laughs> I was thinking about you the whole night, and I was <laughs> looking at your Twitter post and 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 how euphoric you were.
1: <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Uh, only uh, only you are one of the many that. Uh, that can, uh, you know, tolerate all my tweets. But hey, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. Let's begin, of course. Uh, Before we get into the fifth uh, spot playoff, of course, uh a- a- another storylines, Jaime, I-, I did want to remind everybody that this uh table still dominated by Brazil and Argentina. Both are undefeated. And Brazil, uh, a record number, 45 points, no- it's never been achieved. Uh, I think they passed Argentina from the 2002 uh qualifying campaign with 42 points but brazil and argentina uh obviously they have to face each other later after that suspended game but they are clearly jaime the dominant forces in south america
2: they are the dominant forces they are the two last copa america champions uh they are also the two last south american teams to play a world cup final um and at the end, that record can be longer, like Brazil can reach 46 or 48 points in case they beat Argentina. We don't know if we're going to end disqualifying with two or, or just one unbidden team. But at the end, apart from those small details, the gap between Brazil and Argentina and the rest of the continent, it's getting bigger every time.
1: Absolutely. Well said. And that's exactly what's happening. We will talk about how we think Brazil, Argentina and the other countries that qualify for the World Cup will do in November and December. But uh, first, uh, let's talk about what really matters, Jaime Masia, because Peru, once again, thanks to Ricardo Gareca, have made the fifth spot, the qualifying playoff spot who will face either Australia or United Arab Emirates in June. I've already said it, Jaime. I was on HQ earlier talking about how if you don't follow South American football, you need to know that Peru doesn't have a good, strong domestic league. We don't have superstars. And what Ricardo Gareca has done, again, is kind of amazing. Your thoughts on Peru beating Paraguay uh, at home 2-0 to earn that fifth spot in CONMEBOL?
2: It was a difficult scenario because you need to know what was happening in the other two games. Uh, Peru had the upper hand, but we said uh, last week, whoever scores the first goal is going to have a big advantage. I was watching the three games at the same time, and the minute La Padula scored Peru' first goal, you saw how the performance of Colombia and, and Chile just dropped. Like They knew that the team they needed not to win was winning, and, and that had an impact. So that La Padula goal at the seventh minute was key on what is coming next? And all that anxiety and pressure and expectation that came down and Peru, and Peru start performing as it has been performing during this whole second half of the qualifier. Luis, in the second half of the qualifiers, Peru, Peru has lost three games, visiting Brazil, visiting Argentina, and visiting Uruguay.
1: Amazing.
2: The, the top three teams in this qualifier. Yeah, there is a defeat against Bolivia in there, uh, but that was a game that was... In the middle of a triple header because it he was not played when it has to be, uh, it, it has it has to be played. Let's put the fact that Peru, it's qualifying to this playoff spot with less points than what they did towards Russia, but with more points on the field because Peru had those three points against Bolivia. The last qualified that, yeah, in the standings they count, but they didn't get it on the field. This time they had get, get more points on the field, and that is an improvement on this Gareca team.
1: Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Uh, statistics aside, numbers aside, just also had to deal with the fact that we were moving on from Paulo Herrero and Jefferson mm-hmm. Farfan because obviously they were getting older and getting injured. We had to, you know, rely on uh, Gianluca Lapadula, uh, the Taku Taku Rigatoni king, mm-hmm. uh, had to come to to Peru. Uh, he didn't start playing for Peru till twenty twenty, of course. So there was a lot of things, Jaime, that really has made this quite special. I mean it's not done, right? Obviously there, there needs to be another game in June. But it is pretty amazing. Taking in mind and of course include your thoughts on the fact that Colombia Colombia are not at the World Cup and neither now Chile. And that's you would think the end of the golden generation for them.
2: That Copa America 2020 that a lot of teams didn't wanted to be played, mm. came in a good shape for Peru. Peru Peru click after that World Cup. The team that played in Russia was a young team, and it didn't need a whole lot of changes for this qualifier, but certain positions, key positions, they need some replacement, some new players, some new blood to the team. And, and one was Paolo Guerrero. Everybody knew that Paolo was not going to be available for the whole qualifier. And it took a long time for La Padula to engage, and that Copa America was key on La Padula, making click with the team. But the other was the two centre-backs. The centre-backs at the World Cup were Ramos and Rodriguez. And Peru started the, the, the qualifier with Abraham and Araujo. And after that, Copa America, Cullens came in, a lefty, fast centre-back that plays in a team in New York City with the same style as Peru, who is comfortable playing away from the goal. And Sambrano. his transfer to Boca gave us another player, a player that is not a red card per game. And Peru was the second best defense on the second half of the qualifiers. So that's a fact. Like, we know Lapadula is important, but how the team grew from the back line is also very important, Luis. And if you see the lineup that Peru played against Denmark and against uh, France, it's basically the lineup that qualified yesterday plus yeah. this tr- these three names that I just uh, tell you.
1: Yep, a very, very good point at the back. I literally just tweeted before we started talking about Alex Callens, and now, to me, he's been a revelation. I remember interviewing him when he first moved to NYCFC, and he wanted to get the attention of Ricardo Gareca, who was not even thinking about Alex Callens. And now, look, and you mentioned Carlos Zambrano for Boca Juniors. Unbelievable. A very good point there, Jaime Macias. Very quickly on wh- who's it worth for? worse for, Jaime, do you think? Chile who are saying essentially goodbye to the likes of Arturo Vidal and Alexis Sanchez or Colombia who have tremendous talent from all over but just couldn't score to save their lives uh, up to these last two matches who's it worse for
2: uh i think it's worse for the future for chile because it's not like colombia that they could not bring new players that they cannot bring new blood for for the national team at that or or that they had top players that at the end didn't perform in the national team. And I think that that's the case, what happened with Colombia. And that's what is frustrating for Colombia to miss in the playoff for one point because they feel they had the quality and you can, and that's the narrative around Colombia. When you see Chile, the momentum of the Chilean soccer, is very weak. They didn't bring new players because they don't have it. Their club, Their clubs are not performing at the international level. Their youth national teams are not performing as they were used to. Let's not forget that this generation, this golden generation that get to the two that that won the two Copa Americas, they finished third in the under twenty World Cup in two thousand and seven. Mm. Uh, if you if if you, people can go and see the images of what happened yesterday in San Carlos de Apoquindo at the end of the game when Peru, when when Chile was eliminated from the World Cup, it was flag, it was a standing ovation, it was people clapping, it was the board saying. Thank you for the glory days. Um, And I think that the Chilean fans know this generation gave it all. They don't have players that are coming from behind to replace them, And that it was a great run, but it's coming to an end.
1: Yeah, no, a very good point on uh, La Roja. We will see how they develop uh, part of it, obviously, the domestic game as well. All right, well, we know who are going to the World Cup, definitely Brazil, Argentina, uh, Uruguay, Ecuador. Of course, those four teams and the playoff spot for Peru, as we mentioned, they will face the winner of Australia or United Arab Emirates. So my question uh, to you before we get into it, um, the South American teams at the World Cup, let's exclude Peru for a second. Let's talk about Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Ecuador. How do you see them faring at the World Cup? Because uh, the last time in Russia, it wasn't great obviously. And now, once again, we see how South American teams do in Qatar. How do you see it happening? Uh, very gut instinct. You can change your mind, obviously, as we get closer to the World Cup. But right now, how do you see it?
2: Brazil is a favorite to compete for the for the World Cup. Uh, I, agree. I think it, 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 Argentina has found uh, deep starting 11. Um, they have found a solid team. And everybody's talking about these 31 games unbidden. Okay? But let's not forget that this 31 games in Britain, in that streak, there is only one um, European team that was Germany. All the other games were against South American teams or Central American teams, and they haven't played that second game against Brazil. So it has like a trick inside us. So we don't know how this team that is dominating the continent level with Brazil is going to perform and against a an European superpower for an European second-level team, which are also very, very strong. Uh, Then Brazil is a team that has a better depth in their squad. They have key players in every position. Like, Alisson is one of the best goalkeepers in Europe. The centre-backs are top on, on, on European leagues. Casemiro is one of the best midfielders in the world. And in the end, I look, I don't think Neymar is at the level that he was five years ago. I don't think Neymar is a key player in the national team, not even in his team in PSG, but you have a lot of players that can solve problems on the forward line. So it's not that, Oh, it will depend on how Neymar gets to the World Cup. Um, I also think, Luis, that there are more teams capable of winning the World Cup than they were three or four World Cups away ago. So um, I think that if Brazil gets to the semifinal, it's, it's a it's, it's a it's a good prediction. And if they get to the semifinals, it will be a good World Cup for them, considering what it's around. Yeah, probably it's an underachieving for a team that won five of them, but times have changed. All the national teams have, have evolved too.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they've won five, but, you know, it's been a while since they've won one. And you made a very good point, which is this World Cup is going to be really competitive, I think. I just think Argentina has a very strong 11 and some very good players on the bench. Brazil can put three teams yeah. to this point. They're they're so good. And also, Coach Chiche, this is his final World Cup with them. I feel like that might be the added incentive for them as well.
2: And I'm, I'm curious on how this window, and you have uh, Fabrizio Romano, you can ask him, how this transfer window is going to go for the players mm-hmm. from these two national teams. Um, because the gap between qualifying and playing the World Cup now that the World Cup is in November is the same gap in time but the players that qualify in November, they knew that they were going to play in a certain team, in a certain league before the World Cup. Now we're having a, a summer transfer window in the middle. And where they those players are going to move is going to be key on how they are going to perform on the World Cup. And I think that the Argentinian players, they can decide their future based on what they want with the national team.
1: Yeah. No. I don't know all the players from all
2: the national teams have that power.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely right. Uh, Lautaro Martinez will be an interested uh, player to watch in the summer. Rafinha reportedly from Fabrizio Romano. Obviously, Barcelona are looking at him as well, but it's not just him. Uh, so.
2: Julian Alvarez, who scored the goal yesterday, he's going to be in Manchester A City. A player, we, of course. We, exactly. We don't know if he's going to be playing. He's going to be on the bench. He's going to be loaned What's going to be his situation towards to, uh, preview to the World Cup?
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot to think about. It's very specific just because this World Cup is not in the summer and we have to wait a little bit further. A very good point. All right. Well, uh, let's make some final thoughts here then. Any final thoughts uh, regarding the qualifiers going into the World Cup? Jaime, I know that you had a great tweet as well uh, regarding the pots because obviously the draw is on Friday and you were asking people who would you like for your national team. In the groups, and we've done a few simulators here regarding the pots. Obviously, we have to wait to see the winners of those intercontinental places. But you can only have one, uh, you know, at least, you know, the only continent that can have two in a group is Europe, right? A maximum of two, just because of the number of places that they have. But any thoughts from this? Because they got a lot of engagement. Hyman. Well, it's it's a tricky
2: it's a tricky pot, and, and I recommend people to do it from pot four to pot one because. The, um, the intercontinental playoff between Peru and the Asian team is going to block a lot of groups. So basically mm-hmm. the winner of that intercontinental playoff is going to face two, um, two European teams, either Morocco or Senegal or Mexico, the U.S. or Canada, if Canada ends up in the, in pod number three. So that's the team or that's the, the team that will know easily or will have less choices of teams to play. But uh, we're going, there is a possibility that we have six, and it's, I'm not I want to be unlucky to you, but there is a possibility that we have six uh, Asian teams or that we have five South American and five Asian teams for eight groups. So there are going to be more than one group involving an Asian and a South American crash. Um, yeah. It's going to be very difficult. The, the rules on the draw says minimum one European team, maximum two the only confederation that can have more than one, all the other confederations can only have one per group. So it's going to be interesting. And you can build the best scenario for your team and the worst scenario for your team. Look, uh, Luis, Germany is in part two. So we know that (laughs) the the, the one that gets Germany, that's going to be a tough team.
1: Oh my god, man. Like I've just as you're talking, by the way, I'm like, I'm I'm also doing the simulator.
2: You're getting answers.
1: And it's absolutely ridiculous. First of all, USA and Peru are in every single group every time I do the simulator. That's if (laughs) we beat obviously Australia or United Arab Emirates. But then to your point, I mean, I'm seeing teams like uh Belgium, Ghana, Uruguay, South Korea, I mean, England, Germany, Senegal and Saudi Arabia, Portugal, Mexico, Tunisia, Ecuador in a group. I mean, Argentina, Switzerland, Japan, Wales. That's pretty easy for Argentina, I guess, regardless of where you're thinking. But the to other, your point, the other, it's going to be really competitive, yeah. Jaime.
2: No, and the other point is that the, the European team that comes from, from the playoff that haven't been played, the, the Wales, Ukraine, and, and uh-huh. Scotland. Yeah. Well, Wales and Ukraine, any of those two teams, if they were already qualified, they will be in part two. So basically, you're gonna if it's not Scotland, you're gonna get a team that has the level of being in Pot Two coming from from Pot Four.
1: <laughs> Des Norris just did the simulator, and he gave me Peru, Portugal, Senegal, and Croatia. Oh well, that's great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun here. And Jaime, I'm sure we're gonna have you back uh more. But Jaime Macías, make sure to follow him on Twitter and social media and all his work as well for Football Infinito and of course MLS en español and MLS of course. Jaime, final thoughts before we say goodbye, my friend.
2: That the 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 distance in some teams had Come closer. I think we had to put a value on Bolivia. Bolivia is going to be a contender for the next World Cup. The, the yeah, thing is Bolivia, is coming, yeah. Bolivia is coming from so back behind that the simple fact that they fight and they they gave a fight until the end is an improvement. They are building an, a new academy. They are building a new structure. They are improving their club system, and I think that Bolivia is going to be a team to to fight for a spot for the next World Cup. And uh, Colombia is going to need to take some decisions on how they and how they approach their national teams because they are they, they need to change the structure and Chile too. But I think that the Chile problem is uh, way deeper than, than Colombia.
1: Yeah. As you mentioned, my friend, but Jaime Macias, thank you so much, my friend, for being here. I always appreciate you, Jaime. Muchas gracias, compadre.
2: Thank you very much. And congratulations for the, for the playoffs.
1: Good luck. We're taking a short break. Join us on the other side where I'll be breaking down all the drama from
0: the African playoffs with Tosin McKinney and Michael LaHood. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting technology, Marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today.
2: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: Africa's five qualifiers for the 2022 World Cup have been decided. And after a grueling two legs, it's Ghana, Senegal, Morocco, Cameroon, and Tunisia who will be going to Qatar. And I'm joined by Michael LaHood and Tosin McKendy to discuss Tuesday's dramatic finale. All righty, everybody. Michael LaHood, how are you, buddy?
3: I am exhausted from yesterday's <laughs> matches, but just happy to be able to talk about it because I need—I just need to expel calf world cup qualifiers out of my system it's that yeah. much
1: well we're gonna do it today Tozen McKinley is off to a funeral i see Tozen, nigerian scams all black. your peruvian brother all black everything what's up Tozen? how are you man
4: hey man listen i'm better than yesterday that's all i can say It's a new day it's a brand new day i'm alive and all we
1: can say. <laughs> That's it, man. It's a brand new day. Uh, you just gotta keep looking ahead. But don't worry, we'll get into it and we'll make it a therapy session for you if you want <laughs> to do that, of course. But welcome everybody, Kigolasso Pod. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. This is Tozen McKinney, Nigerian Scans, Michael Lahood. Of course, follow them on Twitter, social, everywhere else in between. All right, let's begin, everybody. As Michael said, there's so much action, so much drama. Let's begin with the Ibiza. Uh, rave show that was senegal against egypt uh it was uh one-all in aggregate so it had to go to penalties but the lasers everybody i don't know if you saw this game uh well neither did the egyptian players actually because the lasers <laughs> were in their faces the entire time listen this is not the first time this has happened okay so you know in many ways uh, many people were tweeting at me going welcome to africa qualifiers i i get it but look at this i mean he was turning <laughs> into the hulk here michael lahoud it was unbelievable but the game ended 1-0 right and by the way there was a a, um, a statement after the game the egyptian football association have lodged a formal complaint against its senegalese counterpart to the match observer the security official caf and fifa before the start of the match between the two teams the egyptian team was subjected to racism after the appearance of offensive banners in the stands as well aimed at the players specifically Mohamed salah well we'll have to see uh, about that but we did see some uh, signs but the lasers to me were incredible sadio Mane once again seals the deal after winning africa cup of nation he does it again in penalty shootouts michael who thoughts on this game it was kind of i mean Ooh. siri show me an africa world cup qualifier and i guess this was <laughs> it
3: so just to touch on the lasers i saw more lights than Studio Fifty Four had in its <laughs> heyday. No, not old,
1: Michael. Oh,
3: no, no, no. But I've heard stories and seen the movies. But man, what? I mean, just to be able to have a match like this, this, this was a a game of fourth minute magic. So in the fourth minute, goal scored. Dia scores bundles at home, but Egypt. In the in the first 10 minutes of an away match, especially when you you have the first leg one, you cannot give up a bundle a header. You you have to be definitive in clearances, and they didn't do that, got punished, and the game was still there. Zizo, who came off the bench, he had two golden opportunities. And when I saw that, I thought Egypt's done. But Senegal still left him in the game. And and when it went to penalty kicks, it's all there. But interesting stat for Senegal. Four out of the five players who took penalty kicks were the same four out of the five that took them in AFCON. Mm-hmm. That gives you confidence, consistency, knowing you have penalty kick takers to rely on gives you the edge. Egypt, only one PK taker, Zizo, misses, and he banged the best penalty kick in AFCON in the final. It's just a tale of two games.
1: Yeah.
4: My thing is that, like, I this is an old reference. Some people might get it. A lot of kids might not, but that. Whole laser thing about me and Jennifer Lopez waiting for tonight video. And I was like, "What is, <laughs> <laughs> what is happening here?" Like, I went uh, back. Uh, for
1: tonight. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Literally.
4: Literally. But no, I mean, I'm I'm more so happy for Senegal. I me, mean, like, they've been mm-hmm. perennial, just like underachievers in Africa. For them to win Afcon, then qualify, is beautiful. I think for me, I'm such a romantic where I love to see, and we'll talk about it where we hit Cameroon. I love to see these older players lead their team. Like, you get to see mm-hmm. someone like you know, so like Cisse lead his team not only to AFCON but to the World Cup again is just like, man, mm-hmm. this is beautiful. This is just beautiful. So I'm rooting for Senegal, man. Like, I'm, I'm really, really hoping that they that they show up for the continent. Uh, that's, you yeah, know, I'm a big fan of Senegal. Um, no,
1: absolutely. Uh, I, w- I had the pleasure of talking to Sadio Mane uh, right after winning Africa Cup. And he talked about this World Cup qualifiers. Not so much, but uh, to your point, Tosin, just how much Ooh. it means for Senegal. And Senegal, I guess if you're a neutral, I mean, they're just such a – fun, energetic, vibrant, smart, and uh, you a team that really represents the nation. Having said all that, Michael, let's just quickly Mm. come back a little bit to the laser show because it was (laughs) a big deal. El Shinawi, by the way, their goalkeeper, um, (laughs) I thought was performed admirably throughout the entire game. Lasers or no lasers. He was really delivering and he even made some good attempts uh, in the penalty shootout. Uh, But it, it was an issue. I mean, you know, do you think that you know, I guess Egypt's uh, complaints are justified.
3: Absolutely, they're they're justified. And it's also CAF and it's also World Cup qualification coming into this game. Senegal, they're opening, they're, they're christening a brand new stadium for the, the future Youth Olympic Games, I think in 2026. Senegal, they do not want to lose that match, not just because it's a new stadium. It's World Cup qualifiers, man. They went and pulled out all the dirty tricks, all the dirty stops. This is part of the dark arts of African World Cup qualifiers and Egypt. What you now know is if you want to take revenge to another level, definitely bring a big projector on top of lasers. <laughs> I
1: was just going to say, bring like of, just, bring, just carry a lighthouse. Bring,
3: to this bring, the, bat, bring <laughs> the bat signal yeah. if you have to and shine it. Never, But the, these are the things that, that make it's, it's the madness of the beautiful game. And sometimes it becomes the dark arts of the beautiful game where it's when it all costs the money. That goes into qualifying the prestige. And Senegal, they were not going to take any chances, especially after what happened in the first leg, when they 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 were really second best overall, minus a couple half chances in the second half. So it was. I'm sure something was said of like, "Hey, we are not going to leave it to chance," and they didn't.
4: Listen, it's just football. I mean, I know a lot of people get upset. Like we all come from a different generation where like we all understand like, "Hey, man." You got to do what you got to do to win. Ghana did it to Nigeria. We'll talk about later. Ghana purposely went to a horrible field against Nigeria. And like, we'll talk, I'll talk about that more in detail, but this is just is what it is. I know people are going to complain. Like this isn't football. This should stop. Hey, listen, we, like I said, I come from a generation where I understand, Hey man, you got to do what you got to do to qualify. And like I said, like my, my baseball memory is 1996 when Nigeria didn't go to, uh, to AFCON because of Abacha and like South Africa won. I told South Africa all the time, you have our AFCON. And that's just the way football is. You have politics, you have this, you have that. It sucks, but this is the sport that we play and it's never going to change. So I'm not a big fan of it, but I'm also a fan of it because that's what makes the game the game. So, yeah, just, you
1: got you got Africans and South Americans in here. Yeah, you just got to know there's also a, a cultural standpoint to it. This is just what happens, and you just got to you got to deal with it. I do find it funny though because they were all similar laser. So you just know there's <laughs> a guy outside the stadium with <laughs> like, like a truck, just like selling them. All.
3: <laughs> well, you should check. You someone should check stocks. On lasers <laughs> in West Africa, especially in the Dakar, yeah, you know, Senegal know. area. I'm sure it's just through the roof. I might go and buy an yeah. Aznak today. i
1: tell you something. It was uh, just like Tozen said, it was a Jennifer Lopez video, it was a 90s rave in Ibiza. I don't know, which is crazy. All right, final question on this game because uh, Senegal are in the World Cup. And to me, you know, they're in part three. And that's kind of scary. I think Senegal are very, very good. What do you make of Senegal in part three? And just their chances, I guess, depending on the group, obviously the draws on Friday. But Tosin, what do you make of Senegal's chances at the World Cup, seeing as they're a part three team?
4: I mean, good luck to whoever faces them. I mean, right? I know a lot, of, yeah. A lot of these I know a lot of these kids are gonna probably a lot of these um we'll talk about it more later too. A lot of these guys who are like eligible to play for them are probably gonna uh, start switching the country soon too. You can have mm. someone like Bukak Marmer from Marseille who's gonna play. You probably get someone from yeah. Monaco. Yeah.
3: You're gonna
4: find a lot of players who you never know is Senegalese gonna play for the national team and you're like, <laughs> Oh my god, they're stronger. So it's just like, hey. Hey, man, they got there. Good luck and God bless. So, so I got
3: to say. You know, Tosin, I, I love that shout. But if I'm Senegal, you just want AFCON with a group that uh, that that represent your country, that, that have embodied this nationalistic pride of what it means to be Senegalese. And some of them were born in France. For yeah. the newcomers, for the the, the bandwagon fans that, that will be players, get out of here, man. Stay back <laughs> home. So, hey, sign me up. Yeah. I'm Senegalese. You know what? I want to go to a World Cup. Tosin, <laughs> why don't you and I get our passport? Yeah, get somebody get the answerscreen yeah. To be fair, no, to, be fair you...
4: to be fair, when uh, they won, Bukaka Maru was watching the game in Senegalese kit. To be fair, he was he was very happy. He, the whole tournament, he was wearing the Senegalese kit. So somebody yeah. plays to hey. show that pride.
3: So. You know what? I'll be wearing my Senegalese kit come World Cup time as well, just in case <laughs> for future Afcon. I'm telling you, Tosin, we need to jump on the Senegal bandwagon hey, listen, too. Hey, man.
1: Bukka, got locks what's, what's, what's of them? <laughs> 20, 23 and me ancestry.com just make it happen I was uh, hey, hey here's the the last point about Senegal by the way you know uh, the ta- to Michael's point the talent that they already have is scary so mm-hmm. you know the fact that they can get ready for the World Cup is amazing all right let's move on let's talk about uh here we go the therapy session all right <laughs> get the candles up get a glass of wine uh, whatever you got to do and McKinney, Nigeria uh, lose to Ghana. Uh yeah. you know, obviously on a way goal differential, by the way. All right, Tosin, straight away, who's to blame for this?
4: Uh everybody, every journalist in Nigeria, <laughs> all the uncles in the NFS, aunties too, Uhari for showing up. Um <laughs> The Nigerian casual fans who don't believe me, um, listen, <laughs> I've watched every single Nigeria game. Like my okay, earliest. Nigerian so so
1: dissect to me this then. If you because obviously there was a certain level of confidence in Africa, a uh, couple of uh, nations, obviously, because um, you know, the way that they started that tournament, and even so as well, Ghana entered this in mayhem. Perfect. I mean, there was so many messes. So what happened that was was the uh, stage too overwhelming for them?
4: I, like, here's my thing. I think Nigeria should have not fired Gernot Rohr at the time they fired him. I think if you were going to fire him, it should have been 2019. You don't take this guy who, by the way, and I'm going to say this, a lot of people don't remember Nigeria before um, Gernot Roar. 2013, we won AFCON. 2015, 2017, we didn't qualify. So Gernot Roar now qualifies easily from a group of, like, people don't remember this. We qualified for the World Cup in 2018 with a group of Cameroon, Algeria, and Nigeria first, easily, like, We were the first team to qualify from Africa. It will be scored against Algeria. remember that. And Mm. he qualifies easily for AFCON. He qualifies easily for World Cup. They fire him because it's not that, you know, sexy of a play. I'm just like, who are you going to get this better? Like, and my dad and I argue about this all the time. Like, we need local coaches. I'm like, there is no good local coaches. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, there's a reason why most of our players play in Europe because – that's not a sustainable league. It's not the Egyptian league where your league where it's like the best league in Africa. It's not a good league. So people have this weird nostalgic vision of this. Like, well, our best plays in the 90s came, like Okochan Kanu and all those guys. But it's not the 90s. This is 2022. Things have changed. Your best players play in Europe. Your best striker literally is Serie A player of the month for a reason. And you need to surround it with talent. And you didn't do that. Yeah. Like, ultimate is running by himself all game. It's just like, where are the wingers? Where are the midfielders? So for me, it's a, it's a failure from the top coming all the way down. Um, you have greedy uncles who just want to, you know, and we all know this is how it is in Africa. You got to pay somebody to pay on the team and this and that. But <laughs> it's egos. It's like you have the sports yeah. minister telling Gruner to shut up. Like, you can't tell your coach to shut up. Like, that's just so rude and disrespectful. So, for me, finding Gruner was the stupidest thing in the world. And I respect Agovon. He he's a great player. Um, a lot of people might not remember him. He was a great player, but he doesn't coach, man. Like, he does, he hasn't coached in, like, five or six years. And you want him to take this team to the World Cup and FCON it's not going to work. So this is just Nigeria's ego. But to my point, Ghana did a great job firing their coach and got a bunch of really talented players. Like Dennis Hadoy has been coaching, you know, for a reason, like at, at Dortmund, you have Chris Houten over there. You have a U19 English coach there as well. So they got a really good uh, bunch of coaches who are smart and Ghana did the dark arts. Their field is horrible on purpose. Nigeria could not score in that field. And they knew we were going to go to Abuja, which is a good field and you maybe get a pot shot and by the way, all the Nigerian fans who make fun of the goalkeeper, Maduka Okoye, there's a reason why he's going to Watford, because he's a good goalkeeper. And I said it before, when everybody was happy that he wasn't going to play, I said, watch out now, the goalkeeper you're, gonna, you're looking out for is not going to do, do a horrible job. And what happens? A horrible job. So for me, it's just like, I'm not mad because I already knew everything was going to happen. It's like everything I predicted, even the lineup yesterday, I knew the lineup was going to happen. So it's just like, <laughs> when you know all these things happen, why are you mad? I don't care. And I have people who don't really watch football who like are trying to ban to me. I don't care because I knew this was going to happen. And we have another four years to ruin another great generation. So we'll see what happens. So that's my spiel. <laughs>
3: <I> love it. <laughs> Tol- Tolson, I... I was thinking about this when I thought, who am I going to blame? I blame it on the Jell-Off, man. Whoever Shit. gave the goalkeeper the jalof needs to needs to needs to be yeah. sanctioned because that goalkeeper, when he went down, he went down like a bag of Jell-Off rice. Mm-hmm. It was just so heavy. That was poor goalkeeping. You cannot have poor goalkeeping at this stage. When your World Cup qualifying lives are at stake, you're at home. That just takes the air. The shot by Thomas Party was not a great shot. It knuckled no. a bit. It went right at the goalkeeper. You got to say that. should have been
1: safe. That, that should have to
3: safe. Save. And when you have a play like that, it deflates the team. But I give Nigeria credit. Lookman coming in and drawing the penalty kick. And just when you think, okay, we got that. We're back in the game. What, what frustrated me about Oseman, Oseman's been killing it in Syria. You want to know how he's been killing it? Not by doing overhead bicycle kicks and scissor kicks inside the box. Come on, man. Yeah, you, your country's face. The, the first one I saw, I was like, okay. But the second one, he's facing the goal, and he decides to do a scissors kick. That's on you. That's poor decision making. And, yeah. and he has the quality to do that. But when I saw that, I said, nah, this is you're doing it to yourself at that mm-hmm. point, when you're going for the spectacular rather than the simple finish. Rude Van Estroy does it. Van Basten does it. I know I'm going Dutch, but they have good goal scorers. The best goal scorers in the world, are 9 they would chest that, put it in the back of the net. It counts all the same. And it's just that sort of decision-making to mm-hmm. go for the spectacular. I think that's what costs them in the end.
4: Yeah. I mean, my last word and final word on this is just basically now someone like Pinnock, who's been in since 2014, he has to go. The sports just has to go. From the top down, we need to revamp everything, and Nigeria needs to figure out who's going to coach this generation because this is a still a special, special generation of players. Like, you know, the Mooses are going to be gone, their is going to be gone, Leo Balingo is probably done. I think Trusta Kong should be done. Um, Nigeria needs to figure out who's going to be our center back parent. They should have gotten. And this is something I, I said and I tweeted the other day. Years ago, Nigeria needs to target a lot of these players, and like I'm not advocating for a job, but they need to get someone who needs to talk to these younger generation of players who like. You're not going to play for England. Like, no offense to someone like Fakaya. Thomas Fakaya probably being one of the best players of Syria this season. He can't play for England.
1: Why? Well, I mean, you know, Wilfred Saha knows that, right? So, and that's yeah. why he, you know, he chose. That. And yeah. the same, yeah. It's something that Ezri Kansa has to try and figure out as well. You know, it, the, the, this is the decision that you have to make, especially when you're born, you know, either in England or in another part of the world that's not, you know, your, you know, your blood, which is, in this case, Nigeria. I want to quickly just uh, pivot to Ghana, though, because they yeah. are at the World yeah. Cup. And yeah. I'm wondering... And you know, here's the thing. And this is something that me and Jaime Macias have been talking a lot about. Tosin, I'll bring it back to you, Michael. You ended up um, yeah. because we got to move on. But one, one thing I wanted to say was that it's not about how well you do in qualifiers. It's about making sure that you reach your momentum and your peak by the time November comes around. So yeah. I'm wondering what Ghana, now that they've gone through all this mayhem, Tosin, and I, you know, there's a lot of inconsistency. But to Michael's point at the beginning, there's a lot of talent in this hey, team. Listen. If they figure themselves out, how much of a surprise package can they be at the World Cup?
4: Big one. I mean, for me, you know, it now starts now. Like you need to go get a Tarek Lance, you need to go get a Callum Hubs on the door. You need to go get a yeah. goldback back mm-hmm. Like hey, by the way,
1: USMNT know? should be worried, right, no,
4: <laughs> It should be. They should be. I mean, like, I like Felix john like he's a very talented player. But the player that stood out to me the most is Mohammed Kudus. And listen, if United mm-hmm. do get Eric Ten Hag, I would love to see Kudus at United. That kid can ball mm-hmm. out. Um, but Thomas Partey to me is probably the best African midfielder in the world. Mm-hmm. Um he is special. Um, he after Afcon realized, hey, listen, I'm Thomas, and like I wanted Thomas Partey to main at it, but that's a that's a special player. Like, and I was saying yesterday, Thomas Partey is just he's levels above. So Ghana's gonna be scary. I mean, they're gonna be a surprise package, but you never know what's gonna happen between now and November. But they got the talent, so it's up to them.
1: Yeah.
3: For Ghana to be successful, the Thomas Partey that played yesterday, that will remind me more of the Thomas Partey from Athletico Madrid. That, that Arsenal paid the big money for was towards his end of his tenure at Atletico, he was shooting. He was more of an offensive presence. He was more playing more like a box-to-box midfielder. He, do, he doesn't do that as much with Arsenal because he doesn't have to because their front three is in fuego right now. And I know all of the Arsenal fans, I know I rip you week in and week out, but I got to give you a shout out for that because you're going to get fourth. But I digress. Sorry, United fans. I digress.
0: <laughs>
3: Thomas Partey, he's going to have to figure out his times of when to be more influential out of that midfield. I think their midfield in at AFCON was too stagnant. They're relying on the Ayu brothers to do too much. The Ayu brothers are getting a little bit up there. They're not as dynamic as they used to be. So a good Thomas Partey for Ghana will be an effective Ghana in the World Cup.
1: Yeah, he's a tremendous player. Tremendous. And when you wear the national team shirt, uh, it becomes even more so. All right. We're just going to wrap it up by, by the way, reporting that, unfortunately, some tragic news. Zambian Football Association reported that the death of uh, Dr. Joseph Kabungo, who's a CAF FIFA medical officer who was on duty for the game in Abuja. There were some, you know, obviously some, 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 some sad scenes at the end of the game. And uh, reportedly, this has nothing to do with that, apparently. Uh, you know, it, it's got to do with a, with something unrelated. So we just wanted to note that regarding that game. All right, let's move on here. Algeria against Cameroon. My, oh my God, uh, mm. you can't, you know, not even Steven Spielberg can come up with something <laughs> like this. Unbelievable. Well, Algeria, well, it was a roller coaster of events, by the way, uh, but, you know, and the away goals rule is still a thing, which was, you had to remind myself because obviously what was happening with the Champions League. But Algeria had this set, uh, thanks to obviously, you know, including Slimani, etc. cetera. And there was, you know, there was Algeria were done. They were 2 1. They were ready to go. 123rd minute at the death. It can be finishes it from a set piece. And Cameroon, Cam, a good day for Cameroonian uncles, Toza McKinney, <laughs> okay, but fair. unbelievable. Cameroon, Michael LaHood are at mm. the World Cup. Wow.
3: Listen, look what, Michael. No, nah, Tosin, Tosin. I was just taking a deep breath, just a, yeah. waiting to exhale part two. So. Either one
1: yeah. can jump. Just let me know. Let's go with you first, <laughs> Michael. Michael oh, okay. let's go with you first. And Tosin, you feel free to jump Ooh. in. Go
3: ahead. I'm, I'm going to have to breathe into this one. So from the Cameroonian standpoint, this is a statement win. They made some gutsy gutsy decisions to leave their captain, and arguably the best player in last AFCON, Vincent Abubakar on the bench.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Nuhu Tolu on the bench, who put Mohamed Salah at different points in his back pocket at AFCON. These are big decisions. Eric Maxim Chopamoting, moting captain, he, he he barely was a factor at AFCON, and now he's all of a sudden the captain in the second leg in yeah, this game, yeah. and it pays off. Because of what? Again, bad goalkeeping. So a uh, little personal thing. I used to be teammates with Rice and Bolli And when I was at the Philadelphia Union. And when that cross came in, I thought to myself, I've seen this movie before. It's an M. Night Shyamalan nightmare because he bundled it. And it happens to, to any goalkeeper. But when I saw that, I thought, oh, man, Algeria, you are in trouble. Anything but that. And who reacts fastest? Chopa? Moting, but for Algeria, I think what, what struck me is there was a couple of plays Slomani getting back to that form. That's why he's leading or he was leading AFCA or CAF in goal scored coming into this match. But it was the decision where he's in behind and he passes it to Balali and Balali fluffs his feathers, fluffs his lines and misses the goal entirely. I yeah. think if Ben Rama was on the field, that's a goal game set match, but you got to give it to Cameroon. If a team like Algeria gives you the open door, they took it, and what a dramatic finish it was! You can't script that stuff.
0: Yeah,
4: no. I mean, for me, the nostalgia in me right now is just is just gleaming. Like seeing Eto and Regobert song after the game. Like I that, that
1: was it to me, Toasted. I'm gonna let you carry on, but just there was one moment in the yeah. game. I think the game was still going on, and Samuel Eto is looking at Song like st- like death stare. Like, hey. We better get this shit done right now. And then it happened. It was amazing. Carry on, Tosin. Unbelievable.
4: For me, it's just like, I knew they were going to win once Eto'o was training with them. Once <laughs> Eto'o was training with them, I was like, nah, you guys are finished. Like, Eto'o, and Song training with you? You better not. You better not. Because Eto'o's got the president in his hand, too. Like, boy, listen. And that's what Nigeria needs to do, by the way. They need to get the president and, the, and the, just figure it out. But... Listen, I'm very happy for, Cam- for Cameroon. Um, I always joke and say Cameroonians is Nigerians that just ran away. But listen, <laughs> I am. We want the Bekasa Peninsula back, by the way. We want that back, Cameroon. <laughs> give it back to us. I know my history, and we want it back. But oh, what you know, going amazing. Decide, no, the, just, I'm very, very happy for Cameroon. All right, I mean, so very
1: quickly, before we move on to the next game, Cameroon at the World Cup, just very quickly, what are the chances you think here, Tosin? And then Michael, jump in.
4: Be careful. Anybody mm-hmm. who playing against Cameroon, be careful. They're caught in double lines for a reason. So just Yeah, be this
1: game's not done with them until the, the whistle goes. Uh, Michael? It, it depends on which pot that they're in and
3: also who they draw in their group. Typically, African teams get drawn in difficult groups. We got to sort that out, FIFA. I think mm-hmm. this could be a year where we see a different sort of African team emerge. And this Cameroonian team, Noah Gisa, who's a very formidable midfielder. You have Carl Toko Kembe, who is a player that... I gave a shout out to that was going to be the difference maker. And what did he do? He won them the the tie overall and put them in the World Cup. And you have Vincent Abubakar coming off the bench. This is a team that's slowly emerging, that has depth, that has new inspiration with Eto'o and a manager. So they're going to be very dangerous in the World Cup.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's wrap things up. I'm going to put the two uh, final results in one, and then you just give me thoughts uh, from either one. Okay. So obviously disappointing. We all wanted the, uh, Congo to make it, but Morocco were just too good at home. They make it happen there at the world cup. And as well, Tunisia, we, we thought Mali, the talented Mali, were going to get it done, but maybe youth was a factor here. And the experience of Tunisia got through very slightly though. Uh, there was a Musa Sissoko own goal from the first leg and that settled the tie. Of course, uh, but this is uh, Tunisia's sixth time uh, to qualify as well. So Morocco are in, Tunisia are in. Uh, Thousand thoughts. Well, for
4: Mali to lose like that on their own goal, that is unfortunate. That's only tough. Yeah. so tough. Tunisia, I mean, Morocco, they beat the Lingala out of the Congo. I mean, that, <laughs> was, that was not fun. That was not fun. And the food that the, that the Congolese was eating two hours before, like, why are you eating that heavy food before the game? Like, are, are you guys okay? So
1: that's all I got to say is DR Congo was very unserious and disappointed me. Very unserious. Michael, thoughts
3: in those two games? No, you said it best. DR Congo looked like they had just gotten off the plane in in Lumbumbashi and they missed their flight to get to the match. The the DR Congo team is just so disappointing. I thought I was very surprised to see some of the team selection in that uh, going 3-4-3 against a Morocco team that is just – they're running from midfield. They were overwhelmed in the middle of the park, and you see two goals coming from midfield. And I thought deep lying runs is what cost them. And Morocco, they they can play tiki taka, but they're also very direct, and it's runs in behind that DR Congo couldn't cope with. And for the Mali game, that offside call early on. Football is a game of inches, and if if just if that call goes a different way, if it's just a couple seconds later that. The Malayan player doesn't make that run, and and he follows his instincts. If that call goes Mali's way, I think Mali qualifies. But shoulda, woulda, coulda, if, it doesn't matter. The the deserved team, I think, goes through.
4: Yeah, I have two final points before we finish. Midfield is so important. As Mike said, mm-hmm. Nigeria played in the pivot, and they got eight for it second of all i'm very happy my son hannibal Mejby is going to the world cup that didn't play a single game but play one game for May United, and now he's going to the world cup i love that for him, so
1: <laughs> i know it's happy. great it is good and uh as we mentioned these teams that are going into the world cup are going to be no joke and by the way um uh, just to remind you everybody of course that uh you know it's almost set almost set for the world cup but uh we have a great, great uh, – lots of more content to come, of course, as the World Cup draw is later this week. Final thoughts before uh, we, we wrap this one up from CAF, from Cath. Michael, final thoughts.
3: Oh, I'm going to be putting some ice on my calf. After watching those games jumping around, no, this is this is the beauty of World Cup qualification. And now I'm looking forward to seeing the bigger event, which is where all these teams land. And just it makes me excited for the future of these teams and the future of African soccer. When you see the quality of talent, it just keeps getting better and better, and these players keep playing at a higher level. And now I'm I'm looking to see how exciting it is for the whole world to see how good African soccer
1: is. Yeah, preach, Tosin
4: um my last point is please stop complain that there's not enough european spots you can see oh, like man. there's no there's no there's no, Ivory Coast, no nigeria there's no there's no egypt know, no egypt yeah, no
3: no sierra leone just yeah sorry. no sierra leone Wrong you group know, chat
4: yeah so you know i'm i'm happy that you know next world cup first of all I'll be in america so hopefully all three of us will be there doing this live um <laughs> in the next world cup but it's i'm happy that africa gets more spots and the last thing is Congratulations, to Peru. I have to say that yes, last.
1: Uh, yes. Thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you. But that I think I echo your point regarding about UEFA. Okay. We, you know, Colombia are no joke and they're not at the World Cup as well. And Chile with their last step in the golden generation as well. All right. Give me just listen, I forgot to say the prediction. Don't even give me an explanation. Just just one country in word. Okay. Which of the five teams in Africa will go furthest in Qatar? I got instinct. Obviously, you can change your mind as we mm-hmm. go towards the tournament. One of those five. Right. It's going to go further than the other four. Clearly. Just give me the same time together. Yeah, same, right. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's all do it at the same time. All One, right. two, three. Cameroon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, you know,
3: I got to give some spice
0: too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love <laughs> it. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, Tosin McKinney, Michael, who make sure to follow them on social media, of course, Instagram, Twitter, of course, part of the CBS Sports family as well. Michael, thank you so much, brother.
3: Ah, I love this. Thanks for having me on. Nigerian Scams,
1: keep on scamming. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you, everybody. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Pod, and of course, everything else. We will see you next time. Till then.